DMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Religion? Tired of players never choosing to be proficient in you? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun, dun. That was lovely. You you held that note for I, a bit in the and before singing, and I was like, "What's gonna happen?" I looked at myself, and I looked like I was about to sneeze. Like I looked like I was like taking like a sharp intake of breath to be like, <laughs> "Okay, can we just talk about like?" Yes, we can. People that can't control sneezes. <laughs> okay, can we, especially in the age of of viruses and COVID, yes. what is okay? What is so difficult about this? Like if you have no other option, like use a friggin' elbow. Like it's just not that hard. Also, like you can sneeze into your hands and then wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash it. Sing happy birthday twice. Yeah. Wash your hands. Yep. There's a particular, <laughs> there's a, well, oh, what? Nothing. It's oh. just like so frustrating when, did it, when did people something do this. happen specifically to trigger this or just I don't, in general? I don't, I don't want to put this person on blast. <laughs> I want I want you to so let's not name them and then I'll tell and then we'll this person is just like Andrew it's Andrew <laughs> it is he's <laughs> just like the most violent sneezer like I've ever seen in my mm, life but that's... and to be fair he doesn't just like sneeze like uncovered okay he's not like crazy but like I feel like you could hold like, an entire blanket to his face and it would be insufficient to like contain. Anna, Anna, <laughs> Anna, you innocent opalescent tree shark. There is something raw and sexy and manly about like a whole an, full an, body, a, a full body. <laughs> like you poop a little bit, you pee a little bit when you <laughs> sneeze, the bowels let loose, honey. Oh my God, no. Uh, true. It's, listen. It's, I will say, isn't sneezing kind of weird because everyone does it a little differently? Yeah. Yours, you have very high pitched. I do. I do because I try to like contain them, like reabsorb them into my body. It's because, so, no, this is, yeah. that is anti-feminist. It's because you're a woman and you've been trained to not, to not inconvenience other people yeah. with your sneezes. Yeah, it's true. And I want you to practice being loud. Okay. Be loud with those sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a full, a full body Kegel. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like change my underwear after like, that's how powerful my sneeze has to be <laughs> next time. Flood that basement. <laughs> next Flood time. It. Anyway. Weirdest intro ever. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> back to reality. Back to life. Back to life. You're starting a new job. It's officially mm-hmm. started. You've transitioned. Has, yeah. How does it feel to be, to be, hard on criminals with the police 100% back back (laughs) prosecutrix extraordinaire I really like the term prosecutrix there you go like you can use it you're welcome I feel like that I'm gonna put that on my business cards (laughs) that was always the joke in law school like when you had like administratrix of like an estate or something then that would be because it was it was like oh you're an administratrix oh honey something you said did remind me of a funny joke and I'd like to tell it please tell me I I want to just clarify I didn't come up with this joke I saw it on old people TikTok aka Instagram Reels love it what did the egg say to the boiling water you're gonna kill me no it said I don't know if I can get hard I just got laid. Oh my god! <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> You're enjoying this way too much. Oh my god! Want to hear my favorite clean joke? I do. 
Um, where does the captain keep his armies? In his penis. It's a Anna. I said oh, it's a cream up, joke, <laughs> right? But that is the answer. How did you know? <laughs> where does he keep them? Um, no. <clears throat> so to do it again now. Okay. <clears throat> where does the captain keep his armies? I don't know where. In his sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> my friend amanda in college Love told that. told that joke because we were at we were a bunch of rowdy college kids doing habitat for humanity and mm-hmm. when you do habitat for humanity over spring break in college you stay with a bunch of fucking church people because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are like yeah build all these houses mm-hmm. so we were staying and they had a clean joke telling contest and that was by far the funniest one so. I love it. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to tell people that joke it's all the my time. Fa- it's probably my favorite joke. Like so you're it. welcome, world. Oh. <sighs> anyway. So what, what's new with you, Jojo? Oh, you know, just pl- plotting, planning ways to kill your character. Yeah, I don't even want to think about this. You guys like... had a wild... Have we, have, we, have we officially fully explained? I don't know that we've like explained the setup. No. Lay it on us. Okay, Anna's character, she's a secret princess. Bah, mm-hmm. Secret princess. You left your kingdom. Now mm-hmm. we're circling back, heading back to your kingdom almost a year later. I went there with the intention of killing my father. Of killing your father, right. Yeah. Only to learn that, like, as you were heading there, the forest was kind of creepy and, like, fruit was had worms, like, were all these worms. The purple, and goop. goopy worms. And, like, all the, all the animals were, like, killing each other, even the ones that were, like, vegetarian. <laughs> Vegetarian herbivores. There you go. Vegetarian. <laughs> I, I just picturing like a hipster deer being like, "Excuse me, um, uh, is there I, animal fat in this? Because I will not eat this." Do you have a soy option? Do you have a soy? <laughs> um. Uh. Then you finally get to the kingdom and realize that your father's nowhere to be found. Your mm-hmm. o- your eldest brother, who's younger than you, mm-hmm. but the oldest of the brothers, is now king. Um. And there is a beholder who uh and four mind flayers who have yep. basically taken up residence in the kingdom have basically taken over the whole friggin kingdom the whole thing mind controlled basically mind everyone mind control everywhere you turn it's it it, it i didn't i forgot <laughs> to tell you all that like oh we're heading into like horror now which yeah you definitely did not give <laughs> us a heads up on that so sorry yeah whoops um, I would have loved a heads up on that. Yeah, that was my bad. But also perfect timing because Halloween. Halloween. Um, uh, and then so now you're and and the the weird part about it is that that they're all trying to essentially like fill these roles of like a, a humanoid royal mm-hmm. court, and you guys aren't really sure the why. Huntsman, the master of arms, the, the chamberlain, chamberlain. Yes, I actually had to look these different things up. So. Nice. They're they're real, and um, and and yeah. So now you're plotting and trying to determine how best to. Me- meanwhile, you have a clock ticking because yeah. every night you go to sleep, you have to make wisdom saves or wake up with increasing compounding levels of exhaustion. Like and Jesus Christ, know. one of our characters like skipped one and yeah. went from like four to six. No, wait, that's dead. No, he went from, from he was at two to three, <laughs> and then uh, went back up to two. And then when he failed, he went down to four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so- he is our oldest guy, like not in real life. He's <laughs> He plays an elf that is in his 600s. And we often make lots of jokes about how he is at death's door because he's 612 years old and he even was so anxious that he bought his own diamond (laughs) to be like y'all are bringing me back you're not just gonna bury me in the ground because i'm an old man (laughs) and i feel like the party is getting very anxious about the fact that you know in our universe DD rules aren't clear so we just see our very old party member getting more and more tired each day he wakes up with more and more essentially ailments can't aim quite as well is slower eventually he will just stop moving (laughs) (laughs) not great 
So I think, yeah, I think everybody's starting to freak out a little bit. And uh, the city has been set up in a way, I can tell you from the player's perspective, that we're trying to solve a puzzle. You know, we're Mm. trying to solve the puzzle of how to beat these Mind Flayers and Beholder without all of us dying immediately. Yeah, and you so. you got close to being like, and and I felt bad because it, you sort of reached that point. You were like, fuck it, let's just attack them right now. And meanwhile, yeah. like there were like three mind flayers and mm-hmm. guards and the beholder and, a dragon. and your brother and a dragon. And I was like, oh my God, please, please do not attack them right now. Um, uh, and you didn't, thankfully. But then you got to tell, you got to tell the children about your epic role. Oh my God. So, so, so to set it up, yeah, set it yes. up. Yeah, well, okay, so we we decide instead of just going balls to walls and immediately dying, we're going to isolate the mind flayers best we can and kind of take them down one by one, which I think is like a great plan. Mm-hmm. But the first one we went after is the huntsman who happens to have a dragon <laughs> that flies around with him. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to go on a hunt with this guy. Do you want and... me to make the sound that the dragon makes? Yes. Okay, okay the dragon, it goes... <laughs> nightmares absolute nightmares so to try to separate the dragon from the huntsman so that we only have to take down a mind flare and not a mind flare and a dragon we 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 say things like oh we didn't realize that the dragon was your crutch and oh we didn't realize that you needed him in order to be a good hunter mm-hmm. um and joe has me roll a persuasion roll <laughs> with advantage with advantage yep. mind you I roll two d20s and they're a one and a one. <laughs> <laughs> two Never happened ones. to me before. Two nat ones. Oh my God. Uh, I happen to have gained a uh, inspiration. inspiration at the end of the last session. I immediately use that. <laughs> <laughs> I get to re-roll one die. I roll it. Nat 20, Nat baby. Fucking Nat fucking 20. 20. Crazy. I love those moments. You, you guys, I had my back turned when you rolled it and you guys yeah. screamed so loud. I like almost was like, oh my God, who died? I like, I was like terrified. Um, but we it had was... a couple of virtual people playing and they hear the scream and uh, Joe too goes like, that scream can only mean that you either rolled another nat one <laughs> or you got a nat 20. And I'm really hoping it's a nat 20. <laughs> that was bonk. Like I've never yeah. had yeah. that. Like I've done the nat one, nat 20 before. Yeah. But like to have two nat ones and then on the same roll, use an inspiration and get a nat 20. That is, yeah. Mwah, that is chef's kiss. I mean, like. Absolutely. I love it when that happens. I love it when it happens in person and you get to feel that like, oh no, despair of two nat ones. And then the absolute ecstasy of a natural 20 on your tray. That was wild. It was amazing. It was, I think my favorite, my favorite memories of Anna as my friend are is playing D&D and screaming when the, when she gets nat 20s it's the funny <laughs> you revert to like 9 year old little boy who's like who's like <laughs> it's, it's fucking great i love it so much Oh, it's the dear. greatest feeling ever. And you know, what's really funny is that I think back to one of our earliest episodes in this podcast mm-hmm. and we were talking about like, if nat twenties are like super special. And I remember my stance back there being like, um, it's just as statistically likely as anything else you could roll. Okay. <laughs> I remember that from my episode. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, it's fool. true. <laughs> <laughs> <You're a fool." laughs> oh, the seasoned player you've become. Oh dear. <laughs> Speaking of seven seasoned players, we have two old queens joining us soon. Hello, Tom and Stu. Yay! Who Gotta just these... got married? They just got married. They're going to tell us about the wedding. Yes, super excited. All right, let's go get them. Let's get them. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justices Tom and Stu of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and remember that we all live in a gangsta's paradise, for the court is now in session. R.I.P. Coolio. R.I.P. Coolio. Hello. Hello to our- um, 
to our newly wed. Oh, newly wedded. I mean, it's been more than a month at this point. I I think we're We are newly wed. It's new for like a year. Yeah. (laughs) Get that till that paper anniversary, okay? Yes, exactly. (laughs) People can still give us gifts and I want to accept them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome, Tom and Sue. Tom, you're you're an old queen here. You've been here before. But Stu, you are a raw order Virgino, Virgin. So yeah, that's correct. So welcome, and that is how you pronounce it. So welcome to the show. Um, now, Tom, last time when you were here, we probably covered um, like how you got into TTRPGs. But Stu, do you want to just tell us briefly how you got into like TTRPGs and D and D specifically? Uh, so I got into TTRPGs through Tom. Um, I had never really played any before, uh, and then he stuck, he brought me into an all evil Pathfinder campaign with his <laughs> friends. Um, I started as a monk, which if you don't know, Pathfinder is the worst class. Um, I could jump about 70 feet at a go though. So I had that going for me and nothing else. Um, <laughs> But after that, I, I now listen to more actual play podcasts that I can keep track of. Um, I've played in a, a few 5e campaigns at, at this point. I guess I got into it just because that's what everyone else plays. Um, and I am now obsessed with collecting TTRPG books. I have. <laughs> I just got a new one today. Uh, Which one? And I... Uh, Into the Odd, which is a remastered version of an old, old school role playing uh, system. I've heard of this by Free League. Yes, um, I'm very excited to learn more about. It. There are some really, yeah, I, yeah, we should. That's interesting. I love playing different types of TTRPGs. Cthulhu, which is also like another, another huge, very mm-hmm. popular one, is so fun and so fucking creepy when done right. We're doing a Call of Cthulhu campaign with my family. We're doing oh, a uh, massive Nyarlathotep. Uh, I love that you guys play with your family. Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> fuck shit up. Like. Anna, to be fair, your mom would totally play. No, she would be like, oh, sure, I'll play. And then she'd be like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Swati, so I, so I, I know you listen. Uh, so um, when next year for the wedding, you're coming down, we're going to play a little D&D. Yeah. Yeah. During yeah. during the time you're here, so just get ready for she it. She wants the thing to be like a week long, so one of the days might as well be a one shot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta say for a one shot, I recommend Arc Doom. It yeah. really well. It has it has a timer built in. You say how long the game is going to last at the outset. You put out a little clock, and then every period of time something happens, and you see if the world ends. Ooh. It's great. Hey. World ending right before a wedding. What's more romantic? Look, it worked yeah. and it worked for us. So if it works for our wedding, it'll work for your wedding. Now, yeah, speaking of, so um, I unfortunately was unable to attend your lovely nuptial. Mm-hmm. It was but, noted. But, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> listen, this has been the summer of, of people asking me to do a million and one things. Um, <laughs> but I was very sad to miss it because it sounded like so much fun. And I, and then I saw that you had dice and you had a little... A little game that you did. Tell us, tell us, tell, <laughs> tell the us children. All the things. I was there. It was amazing. Just <laughs> wanted everybody um, to know. <laughs> so the first thing that I guess came up was for our reception. Um, we did like a, what did we call? It? We make a drinks check, um, mm. and there were five different beverageinos, um, and based on what you roll, you would get one of those five, which was really fun in concept to like come up with because our venue did all our bar stuff. So we just were like, these are the drinks. This oh, is nice. the language and they like made signs or whatever. But that meant we got to do the fun thing of like, what dice trees do we want our guests? And like, <laughs> what T20s do we want our guests to be rolling? <laughs> dice trays up, dice trays made up a, a larger portion of our wedding budget. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone got a new wormwood dice tray. <laughs> okay, but so our favor at the end of the night, we gave um, dice and a little two-sheeter um uh custom like game little game to play so cute. Um, 
we skinned Honey Heights, uh, mm -hmm. for the listeners out there, if any of you know that. Um, but that was like where we ended up. The Where we started on that journey was like, can we get custom like engraved D20s that we can <laughs> give out to all of our guests? And, and the answer to that question is you can, yeah. but the process is very opaque. Like Chessex will do it for you, but you have to like request a quote and you know talk to someone, and and, and then there's another oh, somewhere in Sweden will do it as well. Yeah. And it's like, well, I have no idea how long it's going to take, what the lead time is, whatever. And so we kind of abandoned that and went with. Uh, so Anna, you can do that if you start now. Now, <laughs> right, now. right now, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And we wanted to do. We also looked at things to like. Um, like there are people out there that did like vases full of like dice and stuff for their table displays. Their little centerpieces. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And like they could like went really into it. And there's a whole like wedding D and D Pinterest board somewhere out there. Just yeah. Waiting, oh yeah. Waiting uh, to be several. Discovered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we picked the things that like worked for us. Really uh, yeah. We could like that. We we just wanted we wanted like a little flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with something like you know. So we got some really pretty dice, some some purple and gold dice that that were nice. And so even if people didn't appreciate the game, it's like oh these are these are nice. Yeah. And then the good thing about Honey Hack is is it, it really is. I mean, it was designed at a con for play at a con. You can learn the rules in in no time. It's it's super simple. It's role playing mostly. Um, the next day, my friends from San Francisco said that they started playing the game. Oh, <laughs> it was so cute! And my best friend uh, from high school, he like brought his character sheet. I don't remember it now, but I was very pleased. That's it was very adorable. cute. I love yeah. that. Oh well, Anna, your wedding better be as good. Just saying. <laughs> anyway, um... look. I mean. We can't compete because she's going to have the full Indian wedding experience. I know. I'm which is going to be sure. so fantastic. Sure. It's going to be really oh. fun for you guys. <laughs> it's going to be really stressful for me, but really fun for the three of you. No, you're just going to have... Swati, don't make it stressful for her. She yeah. needs to be pampered that week. You hear that, mama? <laughs> just get her in the henna and the dress and put her on display. That is her only That's role. Right. Girl. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Well, ladies, Let's shall get down we? down to it. No, yeah. Okay. The court will hear only one case today, and I'm super excited about this case. The case of ships versus control water. Can a spellcaster casting the spell control water single-handedly demolish an entire ship at sea almost instantly? And this happened yesterday. <laughs> let me, shall we? Let me set the seat. I play in a little salt marsh campaign that's like half salt marsh, half homebrew. And I play a level eight spores druid named Uresden. And he's lovely. And he has a deep British accent and talks like this. Mm. And uh, we were on a ship in the ocean sailing towards the pirate isles in um, the Sea of Fallen Stars uh, on Faerun or in Faerun. And while we were traveling, we saw a ship with a little sail. And my character is very perceptive. He has a plus eight to his perception. So he's sitting in the crow's nest and he's like, mm, girl, let me go look around. So he looks and he sees a ship and there's a skull and crossbones on it because we're heading towards the pirate isles. Lo and behold, it's a pirate ship and the ship comes racing towards us and everyone starts freaking out. And we are like, okay, we're going to have this crazy pirate battle. And my character is like, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? So as the ship is slowing down and we put up like a sail, like a white sail to kind of indicate like not surrender, but like Pete will parlay. We'll Mercy. talk. Right. Like we'll, we'll talk where we mean no harm. We slow down and the ship starts <laughs> approaching. And I look over at the captain and he kind of like, we sort of table talk, like what the fuck are we going to do? What the fuck are we going to do? So my character very slyly kind of slinks downstairs to a cabin with a window um, uh, with a full view of the ship. And uh, they, the captain of the other ship starts talking and is basically like threatening us. And like, we're going to take what we want from your ship, yada, 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 clearly indicating this is about to go down and be a huge combat. There's like 12 guys on the other ship and, you know, ready to kick our butts. So I decide oh, I have this neat little spell called Control Water prepared. So one of the 
uh, abilities with control water says part water. You cause water in the area to move apart and create a trench. The trench extends across the spell's area, and, the, and earlier in the spell it indicates the spell's area, um, is a cube up to 100 feet on the side. So it's a 100 foot by 100 foot by 100 foot cube. Mm-hmm. Um, the trench extends across the spell's area and the separated water forms a wall to either side. The trench remains until the spell ends or you choose a different effect. Then water slowly starts to fill in over the next rounds. So I decided, hmm, what if, and I make it so that the cube, the, the farthest edge of the cube is about maybe 10 feet from underneath the enemy ship so that the cube, the hundred feet extends beyond the ship. And uh, oh, so just a trench formed and the ship just went and started, and fell down into the trench. And then I used it again to cause a flood and cause a 20 foot wall uh, of water to shoot out from the adjacent wall and completely cover the ship wrecking it and the ship was instantly destroyed (laughs) um and at the time it was fucking amazing and my dm allowed it and it was really cool but i kept thinking to myself self is this too powerful (laughs) did i did for a fourth level (laughs) for a fourth level spell is this really how this spell is supposed to work so i beseech input from my fellow justices did I abuse this spell? Uh, I, I'm going to come hot off the bench here in my first appearance and say, yes, uh, you did it wrong completely. Oh, okay. Because Uh-oh. control water already has a function where it contemplates destroying a ship in a single round. And it gives you a 25% chance of doing it. And so to say, well, in two rounds, I can give myself a 100% chance of doing it with no real way of countering it. I mean, yes, clearly that they, no, you can't, that's wrong. They would, they would not give you a 25% chance in one round if you have a secret 100% chance in two rounds option. But why not? Because you're, you you had to recast it the second time, right? Like you, No, uh-uh. you, can you can choose different effects for of the duration of the spell. Every time? Well, so, yes. here's, so here's the thing. You can do that in the moment I did not, realize that and i actually did cast it again so like i ended concentration and then immediately recast it to create another wall of water to cover it but my dm had described it such that the boat tilted and fell off the side of the cube essentially into the trench and like slammed against the ocean floor because there was not a hundred feet of water in the specific spot we were in now what had my dm said that doesn't destroy the ship it just takes some damage it would have been like great that's totally fine because we were just trying to get the fuck out of there but i don't know i mean like i see what you're saying but it doesn't say like it creates a cube that's a trench how else would that function well so i have a different concern with this okay which is how so you have you set your cube such that the boat was like on an edge of the or the ship was on an edge of the cube. Right. So like basically I started the interior of the cube trench about 10 feet in like 10 feet into the water underneath the ship. And the ship was smaller than a hundred feet long. So it fit entirely in the cube and like teetered on the edge and like lengthwise. F- like tilted, they all tilted over, it, it tilted over to one side into the cube. Why didn't you just make it right underneath the ship? Because I wanted to, I wanted the ship to tilt and fall and, as opposed to just sink to the bottom. And this is where I was going with it. It's like, how are we thinking about the water like parting, right? Because right? like, if you did, if you did it with the cube right underneath the ship, like, are we saying that the water just like opens and the ship just like free fall drops? Because then, especially in your case, if it went all the way to the ocean floor, why wouldn't that just like destroy why wouldn't that the destroy ship it? impact? One or two. What makes more sense to me is if wouldn't the ship just be pulled along in the water instead of like pulled out from underneath it? Yeah, I, I don't understand how it like fell down the trench if. So Joe, Joe basically created a cliff 
right. that the ship was yeah. sat, sitting on and right. it was balanced such that there was too much weight on the front and it fell into the Grand Canyon. Okay. I agree how is that you. how is that a different effect though than just having it go and then the ship goes down? Well, I don't see here's the thing, right? So the 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 way the DM described it is he did describe it that the water slowly receded, but this happens like it's a 100 foot cube empties out in six seconds. That's what this spell says to me. Yeah. So like, True. that's yeah. really fucking fast. <laughs> so like, if that were to happen, I don't think it's a slow thing. I think, I think you control the water and you say like, Moses, you're going to split the sea and just a cube, a 100 foot cube in the ocean just completely is now Appears. devoid of water. Right. And then, and then at, as long as you're keeping the spell concentration up you can do different things but it will slowly fill in um if you're no longer you know using that effect but i mean as far as i'm seeing it like I, and i looked i scoured the internet to try and find some commentary on like is this too overpowered and apparently people have done this before um because initially i was looking at the flood option but it has to be huge or smaller mm -hmm. and the vehicles were in our gargantuan so mm -hmm. i was like well that's not gonna work i can't just i can't and, and the thing about that is it also would push it a ship a hundred feet away from you yeah. so it has this like additional effect and you could keep that going for 10 minutes but i was like well what if i just made like a water cliff and the ship just fell off of it I, I think, think that's a totally reasonable here, use of this spell. I think it's really powerful, but why not? <laughs> well, because I, I think you, the other problem is like in the second sentence of flood, if the area includes a shore, the flooding water spilled over onto dry land. To me, this suggests that if you don't get away, if there's dry land involved in the in the area of the spell, you don't get a tsunami wave crashing onto dry land. You get raising water on the dry land. He, he, I think it, Joe should have created high tide uh, on his little ocean floor is the way I read this spell. But it, were, were you near the shore at all? Or were you, was this well, he had created cube, the shore. like in the water? It was in, it was completely in the middle of the ocean. See, because what he did was he dismissed it right. and then he recast it. So then the cube forms literally in the middle of the water away from the shore. And what that does is create this giant tsunami wave going into a right. filling trench. So like, if you think about it, the trench split, let's say like we have left and right, the trench split left and right. And then I created the wall of water from the south. Or from yeah. the bottom, basically. Um, so it like it. I imagine it just like, boom, like just a whole yeah. hundred foot sheet of water displacing in the ocean and um, flopping on top of the ship. Now, granted, the DM basically said that the ship had been basically destroyed once I did the trench anyway, and the other effect was just like insult to injury at For that point. <laughs> <laughs> and here's here's my only my only reason for why I think this should be able to work is this is literally the like on a fucking ship in water is the only time this spell yeah. is like that powerful. Otherwise right. you're like, Oh, I'm parting a pond or I'm like making a vortex in a pool or something. But like the only time you could do something this fucking cool is, is with like when you're in the ocean on a ship and of course you can like counterspell it. You can do all these things. You can dispel magic it. Um, you know, you can do a whole bunch of things to try and counteract it. If you have another druid aboard, you know, with the enemy ship, they can do it to you, which is exactly what my DM suggested might happen to the futures, which is why I will not be using this all the time because I don't <laughs> want to pull his wrath, but I, yeah, I just struggled with, you know, is this too powerful? And from the language of the spell, like, unless the spell's just not really written well to to make it clear that like what i envisioned like the ship tilting over is not what would have happened in this scenario then i don't see why it wouldn't function that way well counter spell is not a good counter to this spell because it has a range of 300 feet <laughs> and also once it was at the bottom of the trench it was 100 feet away from you even if you were right up in there well and, right and my other because the other thought was before like I, as when I got this idea, the ship had already stopped, but I was like, oh, fuck, I could have cast this 
in front of the ship as it was racing towards us, and the ship would have just moved, sailed off of Watercliff into a trench anyway and completely been destroyed. So, like, yeah, there's tons of, like, fun ways where this could have actually, like, been, and that would have been a much more, like, legit use of the spell, seemingly, but, like, could you just do that every time a ship is coming at you? Just create a hundred yeah. foot trench and be like, sorry, ship. This was my yeah. thinking when I, when you first posed this question, I was like, I know it seems really overpowered because it was effective in the instance that you used it, but how often, I mean, unless you're doing like a ship based or an ocean based like game, how often in like regular play are you going to be in that kind of situation? Obviously, the spell doesn't contemplate that you're going to come across ships every single session and be able to use this trick, which is very handy. But I don't think that you broke any of the rules of the of the spell. Mm. And I think that when the situation like that presents itself, it's such an amazing tool to use. Absolutely, you should be able to destroy a ship with this. Oh, I love that yeah. ruling. One hundred. I mean... What fireball is a third level? Fourth, fifth, third, third level. It's everyone's favorite it's destructo spell, yeah. and it's a third level. So, like, yeah, I, I think I would if I was the DM and you put the cube like such that the ship was in the middle. I'd say that the ship gets moved. Like, I wouldn't say that the water comes uh. out underneath. But the way that you're saying you did it, where like you make the trench and that just happened to put the ship on a teeter and it just <laughs> falls in. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm like, yep, that's creative. You or like create it <laughs> as it's barreling towards you and then it's got nowhere to go but down. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Stu, I don't I know. Say, the rule Stu, of cool. Stu's mad. Stu, come on. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just not on Joe's side and never will be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the spell tells you how you can use the spell to destroy a ship. And so ignoring okay. that and making a better you, way to destroy the ship. It gives you an idea about how to destroy a huge or small vehicle and it gives you a 25% chance to do so. Great. But isn't there some credit to be given for like outside the box thinking? Well, and I think outside the cube thing. And I think even like with, with respect to vehicles, like that could very well be like you just creating like a flood on land, right? Because that would affect land vehicles as well. That's true. So like, if you mm -hmm. happen to be like, whereas, you know, the part water wouldn't affect land mm -hmm. vehicles because it would have to be something in water. So I think that that is meant to be even like broader than just ships. Like, yeah, it might capsize a huge or smaller ship, but it also- I don't also... think you can capsize a land vehicle. I don't think you can capsize a car. I, try it. <laughs> 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 uh i don't know i mean no we've got a dissenter that's okay all right so where <laughs> where do we stand i say yeah go for it yeah justice tom justice Stu, where are we no <laughs> <laughs> you did a wrong thing okay <laughs> I'm gonna ref I'm gonna abstain because I'm one of I'm the party who brought this, but it looks like we have a majority in favor of me. So, uh, uh, there we go. Joe, I'm abstaining, but I win anyway. So thank I you. win anyway. <laughs> Verdict for the plaintiff. Ooh. Um, well, All right. it, it was amazing at the time. So um, I'll bet. Yeah. Shall we disrobe? You guys? Yeah, I need to get. I need to take my clothes off. Yeah, these are itchy. I don't. Justice robes and justice Ugh. wigs, and the justice lingerie. <laughs> get back into our regular clothes. Which we're all wearing for chamber chat. You weren't supposed to see that, Anna. <laughs> the justice lingerie was for Sue's eyes only. Oh, okay. <laughs> he wore it for our wedding. Greatest wedding gift ever. <laughs> this, this is my justice lingerie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got a gun. <laughs> a gun. Let's get into chamber chat. Yeah, we're officially Our first there. discussion topic: stacking advantage slash disadvantage. I think this came to us via Tom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the question is: Should advantage and disadvantage stack? So, in other words, should advantage and disadvantage not cancel each other out, but instead, whichever one you have more of should win? Where did so, this come from? Yeah, you kind of told us like, so the rules pretty much speak to this, but should we yeah. be considering like alternatives to that rule? Yeah, so uh, I am DMing Baby's first campaign. 
Because mm. it's my first campaign as a DM, and it's a couple of my friends who've never played D&D before, and we are doing Salt Marsh as well. Also, I'm there, to be clear. <laughs> yeah, he's leaving me out. I'm there too. <laughs> Stu, Stu, play a druid, okay? I'm telling you. <laughs> play a druid or a cleric. Get control water, and you're mwah, golden. We have, is she a fire genasi? Uh, no, she's a water genasi. We have a water genasi uh, cleric. No, druid. druid. Water, water cannot be druid in the campaign. And she's, she's a wildfire druid. Well, she can yeah. still learn control water. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. she can still do it. <laughs> Watch Anyways, out. So we were in um, uh, like the big bad of uh, Little Dungeon Crawl, uh, but it was very like close quarters. It was like in a sea cavern. Um, and so what I had done with this big bad who is he talks in the third person and he's very like all about himself um is i had him he got like hit by something and so that upset him and so he just cast color spray in the direction of the attack which was Stu, but also some of his minions um and so he just happened to blind Stu and a minion he was like whatever i attacked someone <laughs> so when it comes back around um Stu is blinded but so is the minion and so Stu decides to do a ranged attack you can't quite remember what it was no i i remember what it was oh. I, i'm playing in <laughs> i'm playing an artificer and uh it was only level we're still only level two and artificers at level two are bad uh, <laughs> yeah. from level three onward they're my favorite class level one and two they're very easy to kill um <laughs> and I have, I have like one thing that can do damage and it's fire it's pretty decent damage it's like, well, okay, so I'm in melee and I'm blind, so I would have disadvantage on this ranged spell attack against this man next to me. But he's blind, so I would have advantage on the spell attack against him. So exactly. whatever, I'm just going to firebolt him at a flat roll. Why not? And I did. It yeah, was, it was fine. But the thing is, I think I missed anyone. So <laughs> no, you did. You did. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, your luster could turn around. Uh, but the thing is, like, in retrospect, I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, well, it makes sense why you would just have a regular role doing a ranged attack in melee against the blind person, because, like, the whole reason you have disadvantage is because someone is, at melee is going to be able to, like, really quickly get out of the way, right? Um, but if they're blind, they're just going to be standing there, and they'll get shot in the face. So why should you get disadvantage on that? But then... He was still also blind. <laughs> and in practicality, I was like, why wouldn't he still have disadvantage on this? Or he's still just kind of like aiming into the shooting ether. off wherever. <laughs> yeah, who knows what's going on? Um, and so I was like, oh, I gave him a flat roll, but maybe I should have, maybe it should have been different, or like maybe there was something I missed, or maybe like there were like two disadvantages like... to one advantage type of thing. Yeah. So on. when you have so, all yeah. these multiple instances, um, even though like you shouldn't get double disadvantage or double advantage right. if you just have a one type, but if you have mixed, maybe you should be like actually sorting it out and seeing. If there's one that's the winner, then you still have that direction. Or if they really are truly equal, then they balance out. Like maybe there should be a little more thought put into not just like you have both, so then it's flat and move on. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. So I think I think from a game mechanic perspective, I think their reasoning was it's too complicated to, to yeah. worry yeah. about like counting and, and adding those up and seeing how they even out. Um, and, and admittedly it's, it's a little confusing because I used to think back in the day before I really learned the rules that like, if you were a rogue and you had both advantage and disadvantage, which canceled each other out, you still couldn't get sneak attack, even if someone was within five feet because you still had disadvantage, but no, like the advantage and disadvantage canceled each other out and effectively no longer affect you. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I thought about this before because you're right. Like why does it make sense? Like narratively, if you're literally blind to just be like, woo, 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 just like shooting <laughs> off and like that wouldn't be a disadvantage or it, it's sort of the same thing as like attacking an invisible creature, right? Mm. Like you have disadvantage, but isn't is there, isn't there really more something more like do you need to do a perception check to see if something's even there or or whatever and is that and maybe that sort of like comes through 
um, uh, in terms of like the rules, that's just giving that person disadvantage again. And in that scenario, it makes sense. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I worry that my players would find it too confusing. I, I had the same thought that at some point it becomes easier to just say, I'm not going to count how many you have of each and we're just going to cancel it out and you're going to do a straight roll. But I think that there is some merit in saying it should be situation-based. It shouldn't just be convenience-based. It should be situation-based. So like in the situation that you're describing where you're blind and the person you're attacking is blind, should there be like a, uh, what's it called? It's not, it's dexterity in like, maybe you don't worry about disadvantage advantage, but like you have them make the attack roll and then the other person has to make like a dexterity check or like a perception Mm -hmm. check or a something check to try to kind of counter the attack somehow, because you're both hamstrings, you're both disadvantaged. Um, but I think that that comes with the type of game you're playing and the players at the game. So if Mm -hmm. they, if you have people that are really enthusiastic about game mechanics and are like all about figuring out the right way to do things and the rules, then absolutely. Yeah. Like go figure it out and do the math and like come up with creative ways to make this make sense in the universe. If you have folks that you play with that are like, I'm just here to like shoot a firebolt (laughs) into the night sky and see what happens, bro. (laughs) then cool. Like just do a straight roll and see what happens. But I, I think that there's definitely some merit in saying each table is a little bit different and it, it kind of depends on how much you care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's good. There's, there's two things here. Um, one with respect to this whole invisibility blindness thing, Pathfinder first edition has solved this problem. That has <laughs> many problems. Um, you, you have to make a, a flat check to even have an idea where the creature is. And then there's a there's a mischance mechanic in Pathfinder where you have you roll a D100 and you have to roll over a 20 or over a 50 or whatever. Mm. So even if you normally hit the armor class, you miss because you can't see them. Hey, Pathfinder, you did better. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the second thing is that this whole... I think one of the core reasons for them having advantage and disadvantage cancel out is D&D's basis as a, a war game, right? That's what it is. It is a game just about fighting and onto which they've tacked some other systems now. And in war gaming, like consistency of the rules is number one. Like right, you want to be able to predict the result in every given situation with 100% certainty. Right. And so in situations where you're where you're looking for maybe the DM to make a judgment call on whether this is, well, you actually, it appears you don't have disadvantage, but circumstantially you really do. That's not good for consistency, which might be fine, right? right? Uh, again, it's like what Anna was saying, it depends on your table. If you value, you know, realism or role play or, you know, whatever more than you value consistency, that's okay. But it's not really part of the core ethos of, of Dungeons and Dragons, which, I mean, whatever, it's a game, do whatever you want with it. But I, I think that explains kind of where it's coming from at yeah. the outset. Sure. I mean, I could see this being a homebrew rule easily right. that you could shift in. It's funny, in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, let's see how many stacks of advantage and disadvantage <laughs> I could get. So, okay, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a multi-class barbarian paladin and the paladin that that lets you get advantage on you use your channel divinity you get advantage on a creature for a minute and then i'm also going to reckless attack and then what if the creature is prone so that's three advantages but then what if i'm blinded restrained <laughs> and i'm a uh, druid in plate armor on the ground attacking with a net exactly. <laughs> and i'm exhausted <laughs> exactly and it's like okay so that's that's four disadvantages and three advantages can i tack any more on and like i could see that actually being like kind of a fun calculus at the table yeah. but but like i i totally get like why they did it from a game and i agree like uh, that's a really good point absolutely is for consistency yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and like Stu, what you mentioned like that's like that's a criticism i've had sometimes of of other games i've been in is like when the rules are consistent it's really hard to know like how i as a player should should respond in any given situation so that's why we all rely on the rules being what they are and it's why i personally don't make a lot of like off the cuff 
table rulings without looking at the rules. Like I'm much more like, give me two seconds. Let me look at the, let me look at the rule and let me get back to you in the moment because I want my player to get the full benefit of whatever it is they're trying to do. I don't want to like, you know, say fuck you and just have them not have that cool experience. Thank um, you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that would be like a really interesting way to run a campaign. And that would totally be a homebrew rule that I would love to like, I would play in a campaign with that. If they know going in that that's what it's going to be like, then yeah. I think that that's still consistency, right? Like it's just like knowledge yeah. that that's how you're going to be playing and that the results may be varied. Yeah, like imagine, <laughs> being, imagine being a rogue and like for whatever reason you have disadvantage, but then you have advantage because of something and then also the creature's prone like oh great now i get my sneak attack whereas yeah. before you you had to have you know unless you're a swashbuckler or something you had to have another creature within five feet like yeah like there are a lot of cool mechanics that could proc that and you could play that to your advantage if you're a paladin just like oh another chance to smite on a nat 20 yeah let's get that advantage in there and and subsequently like it makes it makes stacking conditions on foes and mm -hmm. even like as a DM on PCs much more like mm -hmm. um, uh, serious in, yeah. in the moment, right? Cause it's like, great. You're having tangle cast on you and you're blind and you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, like that is a lot of things to have to like worry about as opposed to just right. being like, oh, that person's restrained. I don't have to worry about that anymore. It'd be a whole new way to think about min-maxing your character. If you're just like, Everything's kind of average, but like every attack has six advantages on it, such <laughs> that like I'm always going to be hitting you. Right. I well, mean, yeah. Well, again, like that's well, everything you're suggesting is pulling D and D more towards Pathfinder First Edition. Like, this is, <laughs> <laughs> these are the that's the kind of build that that Pathfinder First Edition encourages. You know, you can have a build that crits on fifteen to twenty and does a you know triple damage on every critical hit, but you know, you invest a bunch of feats in it and you make it happen. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it can work. It does work. But people, people love Pathfinder. But, um, well, I should, I mean, that's also 3.5, you know. So do you, so, do, do you like Pathfinder? I'm getting a sense that you enjoy <laughs> Pathfinder. I, I wasn't picking <laughs> up on that at all. <laughs> Here's the thing. I am at this point in my life, a little bored with Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. Because like every campaign I start, you start at level one, and I, I hate the first three levels. Yeah. It's, it can there, you can do one thing, and you do it poorly. And, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to die because most campaigns don't really, aren't super interested in killing level one through three characters. And, you know, you never get to the really interesting levels. But, and I feel like I know everything about every class at this point. Like, it, it's fine. I get it. Pathfinder has much more esoteric builds. And that's, that's, I value novelty above almost everything. Sure. And Pathfinder has so much novelty. So I guess consider this my plug for a game that is no longer in publication because it's been supplanted by the second edition of Pathfinder. Which is it's uh, interesting that you talk about the history of D&D. &D <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> because wouldn't you know it, our second chamber chat topic, one D&D. &D. Oh, baby. Oh, boy. Big changes have been announced in the world of D&D. No more additions. Uh, is this the best move for the future of the game? Positives? Negatives? Discussion? Oh, honey, I got one D and I got another D. I got two, <laughs> I got, I got two Ds, honey. <laughs> it's one parentheses D and D. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> one D and D. Oh, First yeah. of all, I don't believe there will be no more additions. I think that's really. I think I don't, it's the, I don't believe that either. Really? Microsoft Microsoft said Windows 10 is the last Windows that will ever yes. exist. Yeah. And you're just wow. going to get updates. And I'm running Windows 11 right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a gimmick. There's going to be advanced one D and D. There's going to be one D and D point five or whatever. I and then agree with this. Then really? it's going to be D and D seven or ten or whatever I, for some reason. I yeah. see. I disagree. I think that the way that they're structuring it is basically like we now have this core rule set where basically everything is optional. So like, I think any updates they make are going to be things that are completely optional that add onto it. And there's, it's all going to just be couched in this enormous rule set of like, here's rules you can pick for your campaign. And I think honestly, like that's a smart way to go because like you said, you know, Stu, like 
like how Pathfinder 2.0 is completely different from one. Same thing with D&D and all the additions. I think what they're what they have said is we found the sweet, we found the golden ticket. We found the sweet spot of like a game that's accessible, but also complex and interesting for people. And we're just going to keep building on that. So I don't know. I, I actually think that I actually kind of believe what they're saying. I mean, I guess time will tell, right? And that's my thing. thing. I mean, time is like a really long time. Sure. <laughs> so there's no way this is the end of the evolution of D&D. <laughs> yeah. The thing yeah. is, is, like, so you have this one D&D and it's like perfect, supposedly, right? Well, like, perfect, perfect. what if you want to change? Like, what if it comes out that like the way sneak attack works actually is really boring or something? And so they're like, well, what if we change sneak attack? We have the sneak attack idea. How do you introduce that? without making a, a even a de facto like addition where people are like, well, I'm using the pre, I'm using the this, the one D&DA rogue and you're using the one D&DB right. rogue where you have the different sneak attack. Like um, you do with the with the Rangers, right? The Rangers you talk about like, well, there's this one or there's the Unearthed Arcana one or there's the this one. Um, like at some point, even if Wizards of the Coast isn't saying this is a new addition, like, if there's any kind of remotely major change, it's going to create by its Another nature edition. a new edition of D&D. So I don't think that can ever be really escape. Also, what are they going to do? Like, don't they still have jobs? <laughs> well, I mean, they're, what they're, are they, they're just going to stop? Well, I mean, like the, do, 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 and then rake in all the money. Yeah. <laughs> the for making are... us buy all new source books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think they completely black compatible, which is kind of the additions are really reconceptualizations of the entire game mechanics. So, and I think, I think what you guys are describing are like changes that could be made to individual aspects of the game. Um, and they do do some things like, you know, obviously they have errata and they update all the official rules and things, but, but I view, <laughs> I view the, the new D and D system as a living breathing document that can oh, change, <laughs> that can change. <laughs> That can change with the will of the people. Um, what are you, an American? <laughs> community standards. <laughs> um, no, but I just think like, like I totally get that, right? Like, yeah, what if there's a mechanic that they really want to change? And I think what they're basically saying is like, well, we'll add that, but then you just choose which one you want. It's still the same rule system. Like, like uh, changing little individual things I don't know is... It, is enough to say this is a new edition. I think what they're saying is we now are getting rid of the concept of editions altogether. This isn't 5e anymore. It's like this is a rule set that that will change depending on who you're playing with. And that is it's all being housed under one sort of thing, which makes a lot of well, sense to me. Yeah, I mean that that's interesting. It kind of suggests that, you know, you think they might be moving towards a a system like, you know, powered by the apocalypse where you have a million different games using the same rules moderately tweaked but i think one of the big problems with one dnd and you know i'm sure wizards has their fingers on the pulse of this more than more than i do more than anyone in the world is that there's more competition in this space than there ever has been before mm, yeah there are new tabletop role-playing games coming out every day i i yeah. baffle them on kickstarter <laughs> uh, and it seems impossible to me that no one's going to come up with an idea that wizard does go oh we we want to we want to do yeah this. we need that and, in our system and we and, and we need it system. in such a way that we can't just shove it in with yeah. anything else i, I think exactly the space right. is going to continue to keep growing and they're going to continue to steal from each other which is fine like yeah. whatever again everyone does it it's to our benefit. I don't care who they're yeah, still exactly. from. Make oh, it yeah. a great game for me to play. Capitalism, <laughs> yeah, exactly. competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, no, I think that's like, I mean, I think that's a really good point. I, I, I guess we'll have to see how effectively they're able to, to do this. I, I'm excited for some of these changes. I, and I do appreciate that they are taking into account a lot of like community feedback. They've already oh. sort of reversed some of the changes to yeah. nat ones and nat twenties, which mm -hmm. I was really not a fan of those changes because <laughs> uh, I do not believe in, in auto successes or failures on ability checks or saving throws. But um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that, I think it's going to be a whole new way of putting together a campaign. And I don't know, I guess time will tell once those rules are out and how it all functions, but 
I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited that um, it's not just ritual casters that can now cast ritual spells. Like if you have it on your list, you can cast it as a ritual coming out because. Oh, is that true? I didn't even yeah. see yeah. that. Yeah, that's one of the things out. that they're doing. I'm so excited about that. That's actually I nice. play a couple of characters that like have ritual spells on their list, but yeah. aren't ritual casters. Why can why are warlocks yeah. not ritual casters? That does, and Great sorcerers. Question. That does yeah. not make sense to me. I am upset that bards now have to prepare their spells. I hate yeah. preparing spells. <laughs> it's so stressful. <laughs> I just want to know my spells and. Every Look, if you're not into the situation, that's bad for me, but I don't have to worry about it every time. I just got to know what if you need that control water. <laughs> I don't understand that, like, this, like, expert class thing, though. Like, can somebody explain that to me, what that means? They, they have lots of skills, I think. It seems to be. They, they, they can, like, a share each other skills from what, I can, from what I was reading. I was like, this is going to be well, the really powerful. I, the thing that I was taking away from it was that it wasn't even, like, meaningful other than they're creating this new class group yeah and the group is expert and basically the people they're putting in expert are the ones that are like the skills monkeys that can like Mm -hmm. do a bunch of random stuff all at once where expert i don't know does that describe an expert like i think no because bards are literally bards are literally called jack of all trades and the second half of that phrase is jack of all trades master of none how can you be an expert if you're a master of none (laughs) Well, exactly. I, I believe all the expert classes also get the expertise feature. Yeah. yeah. So they will be experts in something. In something. <laughs> in something. But yeah, I mean, my take on one D and D from what I've seen so far is that it's following this trend that I think Wizards of the Coast um, is enamored with, since it's what launched them into this popular space again, mm-hmm. of like really simplifying and streamlining the game overall um so we talked about how they switched it with the there used to be all auto successes or auto fails like that to me fits this narrative they did that initial choice they're like great one less like decision tree or like one less thing for players to think about is um whether or not they succeed if it's a 20 it's a success if it's a one it's a failure you know boom and not that they're like trimming content necessarily, but it's like everything seems to streamline. Yeah, they're getting it in narrower and narrower yeah. margins, which, you know, to Stu's point from earlier, like I feel like that can get boring from some, uh, yeah, compared to other systems, compared to crunchier systems. Mm-hmm. And like that's a trade off that they're willing to make, or because the simpler it is, the way easier it is to bring in new players. And so like, I exactly. I get that, but yeah, like- They're not worried about the like long-termers mm-mm. staying in this universe, you know? No, because we've because, been here forever. So they're yeah. basically like, oh, you have brand loyalty. Yeah. Clearly. So we're just gonna maximize- They're trying to get the gen- Z's and younger, <laughs> all these people that were too scared to play during satanic panic or whatever. And they're yeah, like, we made yeah. it really easy for you to do this. Just hop on in. Yeah. And we gave you class groups. So now you just got to build a, build a table full of somebody from each class group and you're good to go and nothing can mm-hmm. beat you. And now we're going to make you at your like primo extreme level at level 18 instead of 20. And you don't even have to worry about getting all the way to level 20 now. And I'm yeah, like, the whole okay. boom thing, like I was looking through and these things are really cool, but I was just like, oh, because you can pick the one that's assigned or any other epic boom. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing special about your class now or your yeah. subclass where you get like at level 20, the thing yeah. that like really defines you. You can, which just I mean, I guess it. kind of has, you can do whatever you want, but it's just sort of, it feels meaningless now right just, and then the epic boom like whatever that means um i mean i guess we we'll have know. to see how it plays maybe maybe yeah. it's like much easier and you spend less time worrying about oh can my person do this and can this happen here because it's a lot squishier and like they're just like do whatever mm-hmm. you want just play the game but <laughs> at the same time i'm like i i don't know <laughs> maybe i need the structure <laughs> yeah I, I think one one problem they might have with the streamlining is that 
D&D has always had an, an excise focus on, on combat. Like I said, it, it's a fighting game with some other stuff tacked on. And you can see this when you do social encounters. Social encounters, you have basically three skills, and that's it. And if they failed, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, but there are already a bunch of other role-playing games out there that have much more streamlined and cinematic systems. Sure. Like Modiphius's, you know, 2D20 system that they use in like uh, Doom and a bunch of their other games. They have all these kind of scene-setting, narrative-focused systems that require almost no ruled knowledge, right? But they still give you a lot more options than than fifth edition, and I presume one DD give you in those same situations. So if D&D is in a situation where it's streamlining everything, but still not getting to like those, you know, much shorter, well, it's up to DM discretion kind of systems, right. who, who's it for then? It's not for the Pathfinder people who want a rule for, you know, literally for everything. everything, who want to be able to do a knowledge fisherman check. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not for people who want, you know, pure story-based, you only need a D6 to do every action in the game kind right. of systems. I don't know. I don't know if it's for a lot of people. Then. But, I mean, you know, what do I know? I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> what a great discussion, though. This was super fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see where they yeah. take it. And the, the fun thing to remember is you can always, as a DM, just say, we're not using that rule. Nope. So, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. 5e it is. 5e it is. <laughs> as I've done in my baby campaign, is I have reintroduced the flat-footed rule from Pathfinder because I like it better. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go, right? You can always do Make that. your own game, people. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's, your, it's your own freaking world, all right? Just it's your it. one D&D. &D. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now it's your now time, time to play Layers and Lizards. Let's go. <laughs> oh, well, Tom, still, it's been a dream. A pleasure. A pleasure. Thank so you. lovely. Thank you so much for having us in the chamber and on the bench. Of course. Really an honor. Do you want do you want people to follow you somewhere? Do you want to plug something into like an alley or like on Twitter? Uh, oh, both. <laughs> both. Well, hey, I into mean, an alley to, during Pride, maybe. I don't know. What do you, whatever. I, I do a we lot in the you. Iowa code. So just follow that. Uh, look at the elections <laughs> chapters if, if you're interested to in see what I'm doing. If it ever comes back up, but yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much and congratulations, newlyweds, yeah. for like thank 11 you, more months. You. Don't even worry about it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So when ours is over, we're going to pass the torch to you, Anna. So just think of that timing. All right, okay. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. Bye. You never stop eating your salad. Without the roughage, oh, I can't poop. <laughs> there we go. There's our ending. <laughs> okay.